Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor, a podcast focused on highlighting extraordinary individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ, a not-for-profit cooperative credit union based in Bellingham, Washington. My name is Keith Mader, and today on this episode of Neighbor to Neighbor, I speak with Gail Ridenauer, the executive director for the Bellingham Symphony. One of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is that I get to explore all the different pockets and corners of our community. I admit that before having this conversation with Gail, I didn't know much about the Bellingham Symphony, but I was blown away by all the awesome things that they're doing and all the amazing and talented people that are involved. Well, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So why don't you tell me just right off the bat, who is Bellingham Symphony Orchestra? The Bellingham Symphony Orchestra, we're in our 44th season. We're formerly known as the Whatcom Symphony Orchestra, and we're a community-based orchestra that really focuses on getting out into our community and providing the best possible orchestral music available. Cool. And where do you play? We play at Mount Baker Theater. So we have six regular season concerts. Um, and they're a lot of fun. We specialize in bringing in world-class guest artists for our concerts. And then we actually we did something fun this year. We did a little summer evening concert a week ago, actually, on Friday, August 23rd. And we it was the BSO Plays Bach. And we had featured some of our own musicians as guest artists for that concert and something different. It was a Friday evening. We were dressed down casual. So it was kind of interesting and fun. But anyway, we we paired Bach with a contemporary composer, Arbo Pert. And so contrasting um, what Bach did with his music with Parrot's music, and Parrot was a real um, contemporary of Bach's, loved Bach, and the two pieces by Parrot were called If Bach Had Been a Beekeeper, and then a collage on B-A-C-H. And Bach was well known for spelling out his name within his music. So it was a fun concert to do, and in the beekeeper piece, it actually sounded like there were bees on the stage. <laughs> wow, that's so exciting. And where yeah. was that? Also at Mount Baker Theater. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we we have a wonderful resident artistic partnership with Mount Baker Theater. We're their resident orchestra, and so all of our concerts are held there. We also do an educational concert there each year as part of that partnership. And so this past year, we did press play video games with the symphony, and that one was a lot of fun. We brought in video game composer who's based in Seattle and we actually did some workshops in local middle schools where the students got to learn about the history of video games and music and careers um, using music technology and so it was really fun to work with some of the middle schoolers and then do this concert where we featured this composer we featured music from video games and so the students in the audience got to learn about video games, learn about careers in music that were maybe a little bit outside of the box, and be exposed to the orchestra in a way that was actually meaningful and engaging to them because it was tunes they were familiar with. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you are thinking about what the middle kid, middle school kids like, video games. So hitting them where they where they're at, what they're interested in. Absolutely, but with an educational twist. There you go. There you go. I mean, I was looking at your website and yeah, you guys do a lot of different stuff, have a lot of different programs. Absolutely. So in addition to, you know, the six to eight concerts a year we do at Mount Baker Theater, we do over 90 in-school performances each year with different chamber ensembles. So 
For that, we partner with other arts organizations in the area like the Allied Arts um, Alliance so that we're bringing in visual art meets music. We oftentimes incorporate poetry or science or different things with that as well, which is a lot of fun. Um, we partner with the Bellingham Festival of Music for Play It Forward, where we have these amazing young musicians in their early 20s, and they come here from the Colburn Conservatory in LA, and they do master classes and workshops in our middle schools and high schools for a week and do a, com a free community performance as well. So um, we have our high school concerto competition. We have our Bellingham Youth Chamber Players where middle school and high school students get together once a month and are coached by our symphony musicians um, in chamber music. And just a great way to form bonds, learn about classical music in a really fun setting. Um, we have music in the schools where our symphony musicians go to all the elementary schools in Whatcom County every year um, and in different groups for our strings, woodwinds, brass, and percussion. We have Beethoven in the schools where a concert master dresses up as Beethoven, goes to the schools, um, to third grade classes, and talks about music and pretends to be Beethoven for 30 minutes. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, so just, just a lot going on. And then on a community level, we have Classical Around Town, which started off as Classical on Tap, where we partner with Chuckanut Brewery. So once a month in the summer, we have chamber music that goes down to Chuckanut Brewery. Um, we learn about the music, our musicians play for the people, we have a trivia game that involves beer, Bellingham, and classical music, we give away concert tickets, it's just kind of lighthearted and fun and a way to interact with the community on a different level. Wow. So, Holy guacamole. And that's just like kind of the tip of the iceberg, so we have so much fun, exciting things going on with the symphony. and. Our mission is to um, play music of all ages to inspire all ages, and we really take that to heart. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. I mean, obviously, you know, prior to speaking with you, I was like doing some poking around, and, you know, I saw a lot of stuff on your website, but that's a lot of stuff. It is a lot. And what is your role? So, as executive director, I oversee the whole operation i make sure we have a small staff so i make sure everything's functioning and we have a well-oiled ship so that we can actually produce our major concert series as well as our wonderful youth and community engagement programs so you're like the busiest person ever is what you're trying to say i am definitely busy because in addition to being executive director i'm also one of the principal oboes for the symphony so i'm one of the musicians that volunteers my time to play for our community well, that's an interesting point. So all of the musicians volunteer their time? For the most part. We have a few positions that receive a small stipend, but for the most part, our musicians are volunteers. And that's really saying something because our musicians, a lot of them are pros or semi-pros or teachers in our community or professors up at Western. And a few years ago, actually, our musicians had the opportunity to be paid for their services, and they all voted that down. They would rather see us bring in high-quality guest artists and pay a little bit more to bring in some amazing people to our community than receive payment. So for us, it's really about the joy of making music and bringing it to Bellingham. Man. And I mean, it's kind of impressive when you think about it to have an entire orchestra of high caliber folks that are volunteering and they're all from around here. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we're based in Bellingham in Whatcom County. Our musicians are locals. And I think that's one of the reasons our concerts do so well is that we are community-based. We're your community. We're your orchestra. That's one of our taglines this season. And, you know, our musicians live here. We work here. We play here. We love our community. Our kids go to school here. It's, it's just a lot of fun. And we're a relatively young orchestra right now. We've had over 10 babies born to orchestra members in the last couple of years. So we're definitely in this transition phase in our 44th season. We still have some founding members of the orchestra playing with us, but we also have this youth and vibrancy right now. Wow. So when was it started like officially? So we were incorporated in 1976 for the bicentennial celebration for our nation's founding. Walk me through that story real quick. So my understanding of the story is we had a group of musicians in the area who wanted to do a performance to celebrate the 200th year of the founding of our nation. And so in 1976, they got together, organized a performance, and loved playing together so much, it just continued. Was it on the 4th of July, or was it kind of just... Happened that year at some point. It happened that year at some point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's a cool. That's a cool way to be founded. Yeah. It's kind of like as opposed to like, well, there was a couple of guys in the garage and they decided to just pick up their instruments they hadn't touched since college or something like that. Um, Kind of a very official start. So that's cool. Yes, definitely a purposeful start. So, is so it sounds like there's a lot of local support for what you guys do. Tell me about the support and like the culture of music in Whatcom County. Absolutely. I think one of the things that actually drew me to Bellingham and Whatcom County was the support and the culture um, surrounding that support for music. My husband is the director of jazz studies at Western Washington University, Kevin Woods. And so we moved here for his job. And one of the reasons we loved the area was that on any given night, you can go and hear live music somewhere in Bellingham. And it's just, I think, one of the coolest things as a musician And then as we have a two-year-old now, we love to bring her out into our community to experience live music as well. I think in the first year of her life, we brought her to over 50 live um, music performances of all genres. I think there's just something really special and powerful about experiencing music in a live setting. And I love that our community supports that no matter what genre. And I love that there's support for that at the orchestral level as well. We have so much support from community business sponsors, from private donors, from foundations in the area that provide grants for us, Um, and then just from our wealth of patrons who attend all of our concerts. We have hundreds of people that are our regular attendees and purchase season tickets. So it's, it's just really special and fun to be a part of. It's so exciting to be on the stage to see a packed out house at Mount Baker Theater. Our concerts are usually 85 to 95% full, if not sold out. We have sold out concerts every season at Mount Baker Theater and the theater seats 1,517 people. Wow. But who's counting? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know exactly <laughs> yeah. the number, but who's counting? But it's um. just, it's so exciting to be on the stage, see a packed out house, have that excitement and the vitality, have the live music around you. It's just, it's something really special. Um, and I think it's so wonderful that Bellingham supports that. So for somebody who hasn't ever attended a performance, mm-hmm. walk me through what that kind of looks like. Do, do people get dressed up? Is there a 
dinner component or like what is what does it typically look like? Well, this is Bellingham. <laughs> so there's Bellingham dressed up, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, so our typical performance, I mean, some people come dressed to the nines, some people wear suits, some people wear jeans. I think it's what you're comfortable in. We're your community, your orchestra, so come as you are, I think. We start off events. Um, all of our concerts are Sunday afternoon at Mount Baker Theater at 3 p.m. And that's just to make it really accessible for our, the variety of ages we have attending our concerts. And so we start things off um, with the doors opening at 2 o'clock into the lobby. At 2.15, Dr. Ryan Dudenbostel, who's the um, Director of Orchestral Studies at Western, he gives our very well-attended pre-concert lecture. It's usually standing room only. Ryan is wonderfully engaging. He talks about the composers, the pieces, interesting things. He plays the piano. He has little videos. It's very interactive. So you can come and for free learn about the pieces you're about to hear and then join us in the theater. Um, I think it's kind of a fun space, Mount Baker Theater. They have concessions, they have little sippy cups, you can bring your wine and beer into the theater. <laughs> so it's relaxed, it's fun. Um, it's not your traditional sort of, if you think of orchestras in the past, you know, you kind of think of more stiff and uppity or or whatever, but we're definitely down to earth. Our conductor um, talks from the stage. He shares about the pieces as well. We communicate with the audience. We engage with them. It's a lot of fun. We'll have kids in the audience. We have a take a teen program where um, teenagers can attend any of our concerts for free with an accompanying adult. So we actually get a number of teenagers in our audience every concert. We have a student rush program for high schoolers and for college students where tickets are just $8 um, at the door uh, a couple hours before the concert starts. And then we have a student subscription where you can attend any of our concerts for just $8 and buy a season for $40 um, because we really wanted to make it accessible for students at Western. So anyway, we have a diverse audience. It's a lot of fun. We play a variety of music. We play some classics. We sometimes incorporate more contemporary works, but always in a way um, that concert goers feel a connection with the music. I think that's really important, that it's not this ambiguous thing that's happened way in the past or whatnot, that it's something that really has connection and meaning as engaging. And so one of our goals is that as concert goers leave, they feel like they've had a real personal connection with the audience, or sorry, with the musicians, with our conductor, and with the music itself, kind of feeling like they're really one with the music. That's awesome. And you do a great job of painting that picture and experience. And, um, and it's, like you said, it's very Bellingham. Come as you are. You can wear yes. flip-flops or a suit, whatever works for you. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. If you're someone that has a young family, such as myself, we have our classical kids program. And so with our classical kids program, families can actually attend our dress rehearsals if that's more applicable for your little ones. So at our dress rehearsals, you will frequently see my two-year-old dancing in the aisles and clapping along. Um, it's just a really fun and family-friendly approach. So um, kids can come to our dress rehearsals for free if they're a member of our classical kids program. And then when they're ready, they can attend the concerts for free with their parents. Um, so I think it's just really important as we think about the future of classical music that we're making it age-appropriate and engaging for all people and that we're making it affordable as well. 
exciting. Well, I have a three-year-old who I think may want to be a part of the Classical Kids program, so that's really exciting. Fun. <laughs> yeah. So looking at your um, schedule, uh-huh. looking at the, the fall all the way through the winter, mm-hmm. which are you most excited for? You know, I get teased about this. I have to do the announcing at the beginning of the concerts as executive director, and my patrons tease me because every single concert, as I'm describing the next one, I claim it's my favorite. Mm. And I think it's because I just really love orchestral music. Um, But I'm really excited for our first concert, Music in Motion, on September 29th, I believe it is. And that one features the wonderful John Kamora Parker. He's a great pianist who often plays on Orcas Island as part of their summer music series. So he's someone that locals around here should be somewhat familiar with, but he's playing Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto. And if you're a fan of Bugs Bunny, you've definitely heard it before. So I'm really excited for that one. For me, it brings back memories of Blossom Music Festival with the Cleveland Orchestra and sitting in their outdoor theater on the grass and whatnot. And the piano comes in with this amazing intro and it's just romantic and beautiful and sweeping music and that whole concert features music that you can really dance to. And that's why we're calling it Music in Motion. And for that one, for our dress rehearsal, we have a special dance workshop for our classical kids members that even involves scarves. So (laughs) extra excitement there. Our holiday concert on December 8th um, is really family friendly. We have hot cocoa and marshmallows for kids. We have children's choirs singing as part of it. And we're actually showing the film The Snowman with live orchestral accompaniment. Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. I feel like it fits because it's very like artistic, right? Absolutely. So that one will be a lot of fun. So are some of the things that you guys do things that you do year after year? Or is it you kind of pick different artists based on the year? Or how does that work? So we vary our concerts every single year. We bring in different guest artists. Sometimes, of course, we bring people back after it's been a few years. Um, the two constants are holiday, our holiday concert, of course. Mm-hmm. We have um, definitely including children's choirs, definitely including things like Sleigh Ride and Silent Night, something that's really fun and family-friendly, uh, such as The Snowman, and of course, Hot Cocoa and Marshmallows and Candy Canes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Harmony from Discord is the other series that's been continuing for a few years. Mm-hmm. And so that series um, started a few years ago. And as our repertoire, um, you know, we're getting towards the end of repertoire for that series. And so we're growing and changing with it. We'll be featuring a concert with women composers in the future and then other people who have faced oppression Um either politically or whatnot with their music and bringing light to it. That's crazy cool yeah. that there's like a story for every single one of your one of your performances that you have coming up and you tell Absolutely. it so well. Thank you. Um, I got to tell you the one I think I'm really excited for is our last one on May 31st. It features uh, the violinist Chi Yun. Um, she's she's so famous she just goes by Chiyun like we don't even use her last name mm, everyone Beyonce. else exactly it's like Beyonce <laughs> but it's Chiyun yeah so Chiyun's coming to play Brahms's violin concerto and I personally like to think of it a little bit selfishly as an oboe concerto the second movement starts out with about two minutes of oboe solo before the violin even comes just in tugs at your heartstrings it totally o- does oboe pride oboe pride for sure so <laughs> I'm very excited for that concert and. Um, excited to perform that for our community. 
Cool. So that's that's kind of our season in a nutshell of what's coming up. We, of course, have our educational concert at Mount Baker Theatre as well. And this year we're doing the story of Ferdinand the Bull oh. with music from the Opera Carmen. And we're doing a really fun play on literacy meets music. Cool. Yeah. I have to go back. Okay. One of your, you said that one of the things like of your fondest memories growing up, I guess, was mm-hmm. at the Cleveland Orchestra, some... Yeah. Are you from Cleveland? No, I'm actually originally from a little town in north central Washington. I'm from Omak, Washington. Oh, okay. But I did my master's degree in Cleveland at the Cleveland Institute of Music, oh. where I studied with the legendary oboist John Mack. Ah. And so as part of that, I also did Blossom Music Festival. And um, with that, I had the opportunity to hear the Cleveland Orchestra play and to get to perform with them a little bit as well. And it's just... It was definitely a pivotal moment in my career and something that I treasure. And my memories from that are really special. Okay. Now we have to open up that whole can of worms. Um, You are from OMAC. Yes. And you're an oboist. Yes. (laughs) That did some amazing things with the oboe in Cleveland. Okay. Yes. How does Talk to me about your story. How did you first of all start playing the oboe? That is actually a hilarious story. So um, my music career, we'll have to like back up just a few steps though. My music career started off when I was four years old. I started taking piano lessons from my grandma, Nora. And so for me, music has always had this really extreme attachment to not just music, but also family and these beautiful memories of going to grandma and grandpa's house every week for piano lessons with grandma. And so when I was old enough, I got to choose a second instrument. And at first I thought harp because I had heard that harpists have to build up the calluses on their fingers and my parents were pretty old school so we had to do all dishes by hand we didn't have a dishwasher and um, I found out that you know you couldn't wash dishes by hand because you needed to protect those calluses Uh... so I said I want to play the harp mom and dad and they looked into how much a harp cost and they said no and then they also looked into the transportation harps you know you need like a minivan and all that stuff that's a really strategic choice I want to play the harp so I don't have to do the dishes. You know, I was I was a thinker. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, so it was back to the drawing board. What do I want to be my second instrument? And so um, growing up, my grandparents had this old recording of Peter and the Wolf. Ah. And I think it must have been a British recording. But anyway, in that recording, I loved the sound of the cat. I thought it was the mm. most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. And I hated the sound of the duck. I thought it was the worst instrument I'd ever heard in my entire life. And so for some reason, I decided to ask my mom, who's a little bit tone deaf, what instrument was the cat. And Mm. she told me it was the oboe. Mm. And so I started taking oboe lessons. And about a year into it, I found out I was actually playing the duck. Oh. (laughs) I was like, I don't think that's right. It's not right. (laughs) So what is the cat? The cat is the clarinet. Ah. But, you know, I've come to love the oboe. I'm so glad for that happy mistake. And I think it was wonderful. So so I started playing the oboe. Um, being from OMAC, there really wasn't an oboe teacher close by. So I would travel an hour each way to Chelan for oboe lessons initially. Wow. And then for any sort of orchestra, I had to go to Wenatchee for the Icicle Creek Youth Symphony. So I did that from 8th grade through 12th grade. 
And then when I was old enough in high school um, and kind of outgrew my first oboe teacher, I started going to Spokane once a week for oboe lessons, and so that was a three-hour drive each way. So I put a lot of miles on the car. Um, Were you driving or were your parents that dedicated to drive you? You know, for you, Symphony, my dad and grandma rotated weeks. um, But for the oboe lessons in Spokane, I was driving myself. And so... Dedicated. A lot of driving. So um, I then went to Florida State University for my undergraduate degree. They gave me a great scholarship. I followed the money. For music. For music, for oboe performance. And while I was there, I did a summer at Aspen Music Festival um, and loved getting to perform as a part of that. And then I went on to my master's at Cleveland Institute of Music. So for the summer, your job was to play. And to he, play the oboe. It was awesome. To play the oboe. And you yes. got like paid or did you just got to stay there or how did that work? So for Aspen Music Festival, as a student, you get a partial scholarship, but there's also tuition and stuff. And then you cool. get to study with some of the best oboists in the world. So I got to study with Richard Woodhams and Elaine DeVos and John Mack was there and a whole lot of other great, great people. Wow. Yeah. That's legit. You're like a legit oboe player. I try. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you've alluded to it, obviously, with your story and with all the awesome stuff that you guys do. But can you go a little bit more into it? Like, why do you love the orchestra? I love the orchestra, I think, in part because it's just such a powerful experience to attend an orchestra concert. There's nothing really like it, um, especially where I get to sit in the orchestra. For those of you who aren't familiar, the oboe is smack dab in the middle. I mean, I'm in the woodwind section, the strings are all around me, the cellos are really close and they give off some really amazing vibrations with their playing and I love the cello. And then directly behind me, I have some more woodwinds, the brass, the percussion. So I'm literally like smack dab in the middle of the orchestra. And there is just, absolutely nothing like the experience of getting to perform as a musician or in my experience as well I just love attending orchestral concerts too it's just really special um so there's that part remind me the other part of the question I think it's just that just Just that yeah I think it's just it's just a wonderful powerful experience and um and so for me Um, as a musician and then now as an administrator and then I've also been an elementary music teacher as well. I think for me um, one of my passions is bringing that joy of orchestral music to to our next generation, making it come alive for them, making it be an experience that's relatable. I remember in college just how powerful it was to study music theory and music history and to um, to make these connections with the composers and the pieces on a deeper level that I hadn't before. And I think that's one of the reasons I love things like Classical on Tap, Classical Around Town, our pre-concert lecture series, the fact our conductor talks from the stage, is we're not just playing the music. We're trying to make it relatable. We're trying to make it engaging for our audience and make it something that really is meaningful and powerful. Speaking of your director, mm-hmm. Yaniv? Yaniv. Yaniv. Yeah, Yaniv Attar. I was reading his bio. He's pretty impressive. Um, he's. It looks like he's been all over the place. And yes. Can you talk a little bit about him? Like, just breaking him down a little bit. Because the bio is like two pages long, and it's like Prague and Germany and Israel and all, yeah. 
Absolutely. So he actually started off on classical guitar. He's from Israel originally, and his um, mom still lives there and his sisters. And he, um, he came here to the United States and studied at Juilliard, actually. He's a Juilliard classical trained guitarist. Um, and then he went on to do conducting and conducted at Aspen, and he um, has his doctorate in conducting, actually. Um, so, but beyond his credentials of just being this amazing musician, I think one of the things that really strikes me about Yaniv is he's one of the nicest, most down-to-earth people I've met you know, very humble. I didn't even know he had a doctorate until I read his bio. It's not something that he leads with. Um, he also keeps, he doesn't lead with the fact that he studied at Juilliard either. I mean, he's just this wonderfully accomplished musician and just so humble. And a really nice family too. I love working with his wife, Meredith. He's got two great kids as well and just fun loving and our musicians absolutely love working with him as well. He's kind and I think there's a real balance in working with our orchestra because we're dealing with musicians of varied levels and um, each year he brings out the best in us and each year we keep improving and he draws more and more talented people in our community to play with our orchestra. Wow. How do you land in Bellingham? Like if, how does how does that story like kind of come to Bellingham you know what I mean like it feels like for me um growing up in Whatcom County and all that kind of stuff it just feels so small around here so what I mean obviously there's a great uh music culture and support but like mm -hmm. yeah so I can tell you both Yaniv's story and mine, and Yaniv I know tells his story better than I do it. Um, but we of course had a conductor search a number of years ago when we were looking for a new conductor, and Yaniv was one of the top applicants. So we brought in five conductors from all around the world um, to audition for us for a concert weekend, and Yaniv was one of those. And he was of course the top candidate, and we were so excited to get him. But I believe the story goes, um, we housed the conductors during the search um, at different people's homes and Yaniv had the pleasure of staying in someone's home with beautiful views overlooking the bay for his for his time as he was auditioning for conductor and I believe he took a picture and sent it to his wife Meredith and said this is where we're moving to and she would like responded with all those emojis of excitement and exclamations and smiley faces and whatnot but I know they've just been thrilled to live here and become a part of the community and to experience the support of the arts that Bellingham has. And his wife, Meredith, works for Bellingham School District. Um, in terms of my personal story, uh, I mean, Western was my husband's dream job. He went, to, he did his undergraduate here. He absolutely loved it here. And so when the job opened up and he got it, he was thrilled and we packed up and moved. And for me, Bellingham actually feels kind of big because OMAC's only about 4,500 people. <laughs> so, so this is the big this city, is your isn't big it? City. This yeah. is the big city. Yeah. But I love that it still has that small town feel, as you were mentioning. I love that I get in my car and I drive five or 10 minutes or I ride my bike and I'm right where I need to be. It's yeah. great. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I think one of my favorite parts of about doing this podcast is that I get to explore all the different corners and pockets of our community, especially the ones that I wasn't even really aware of or knew much about in the first place. So uh, thank you, you know, so much for taking the time to join me today. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Thanks for listening to Neighbor to Neighbor, a community-driven conversation highlighting individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeCare. Unless specifically stated otherwise, WeQ does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement.